today's episode or in today's show, I've got a very, very exciting, or I'm on a very exciting visit to the Blauklippen estate where I'm chatting to Rolf Zeitvogel. Welcome, Rolf. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Rolf has been, how long you've been in the, you from, you from the Black Forest area? Well, I grew up in the Black Forest and uh, somewhere along the line, South Africa was with me um, since 92. I came first to South Africa, okay. but uh, since 2002, I call myself an uh, immigrant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and at the moment, I think the Black Forest is, is very famous for, for gin, isn't it? Well, definitely. I mean, if you take Monkey Ching, yeah. it came out of Black Forest as a global brand that came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And otherwise, the Black Forest is also known for nice cake. And uh, obviously, with a nice cake, there's some uh, very good schnapps that goes into that, isn't it? It's the best part of the recipe, in my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> yeah. So, Rolf, you, you trained to be a distiller in, in Germany, or what was your what is your background? No, I cannot say I, I did the full training as okay. a distiller by school. Yeah. Um, my my degree is actually winemaker. Winemaker. So okay. I, I oh, that's wine. why you're in the Cape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the wine brought me to the Cape. Yeah. Um, but growing up in third generation um, as winemaker. Okay. It has been traditional, a classical um, structure that there was a distillery with a wine estate, and my mm. grandfather still had a distillery so yes okay. i grew up with distilling mm. um, as i grew up with winemaking as i grew up with good food yeah and that okay. was the black forest well known for <laughs> okay and you came to south africa then as a, as a winemaker for i came in 92 as a student because okay. i did my winemaker degree um I was very young uh, to finalize my normal winemaker degree. Now this is more uh, a type of apprenticeship okay. uh, than a classical university degree. Sure. And um, then you need to be 21 year old to do actually your master degree by uh, German law. Yeah. So I had to bridge a little bit some time yeah. and um, via an, an internship I did actually at the Mosel River in Germany to learn a little bit about the Riesling from the Mosel and yeah. the Elbling from the Mosel. I met a gentleman um, that had contacts to South Africa at the time and offered me to organize me uh, internship in South Africa. And ach, you're young, you want to explore the of world. Course. So under that circumstances, of course, I said, yes, I will go when you organize it for me. Never thought he comes back, <laughs> but he did. And um, then in 92, I came actually for half a year to South Africa and I did three months at the Bergkelder at the time, today yeah. distill, and um, traveled four months South Africa, yeah. which was an amazing time, and two months at KWE. Oh. And then unfortunately, I had to leave home yeah. to do my master degree, but um, it was a type of feeling all of a sudden homesick for another country. And I came every second year down again to South Africa latest to either actually work somewhere or do some holiday or some yeah. traveling or visiting of friends. And out of that, I think it was clear that one day I will end up in South Africa. And I mean that in a positive way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, and how did that actually happen? I mean, so you went back and you, where did you work in, in, 
in Germany. Yeah. Look, I took oh, a, as I, a winemaker. I was winemaker mm. in, a, in, a, in a small co-op, which is <laughs> a little bit bigger than the Blauklippen, but mm. really just a little bit. Um, and the co-op was well known for one of the oldest wine slopes in Germany called Stich den Buben, mm -hmm. uh, dating back to 1474. So quite a, quite a historical thing. And uh, I took over from my dad there as winemaker and um, moved then on in my career to the Kaiserstuhl, known also for very warm climate, more the Burgundy varieties actually found there. And um, well, I was young and there was not much more actually that I could grow into except actually go on and study again. And I left my name in South Africa because here it was a lot of growing and mm. new structures and going okay. forward and seeing actually space for opportunities. I said, well, it would be great one day to make wine in South Africa. I was then approached by um, an owner of a wine estate called Kapaya. And that was a brand new project uh, starting on a wheat farm in the uh, western, on the west coast side, in the western Cape. And um, I was part there to open up the cellar, did the first vintage, which was very exciting. I worked with Tibor Gal at the time. Now Tibor Gal, to give you an idea, is a Hungarian winemaker um, that, that was the first one ever that achieved 100 Parker points. And he You'll did have it. to explain that to me. <laughs> well, uh, Parker, Parker yeah. is um, in America the, uh, what can I say, the wine rating mm -hmm. capacity. Okay. And um, to have from Parker 100 points is like um, being actually by the Queen and getting okay. the Lord. <laughs> um, so under that circumstances, he was the first ever that got 100 points, which is the perfect product. Yeah. And um, to work with this man and to, yeah, get a little bit of his philosophy, learn about his philosophy, which had a lot to do with terroir, which had a lot to do with back to really the basics of winemaking, the belief in a vineyard, the belief in microbiology in a vineyard, which has to do with the wild yeast that you use to ferment, not adding yeast, which has to do with the wild bacteria, which is doing for you the malolactic fermentation instead of adding bacteria. It's, it's the basics of back to winemaking, which yeah. starts in the vineyards. And it was for me fantastic to have somebody that really put a holistic, a holistic approach behind that very old tradition of winemaking. And this is what I tried to also actually implement here at Blauklippen. It yeah. took me a few years, but it was a really very interesting um, journey to be part of. And um, yeah, it is still an interesting journey to be part of. So from the West Coast, then you, you came to Blauklippen? Well, then I relocated actually after a year with my family to Blauklippen. Um, and I started at Blauklippen as winemaker. Okay. A few months later, I was also then looking after the vineyards with mm. a, with a um, very aged and experienced viticulturist, Wurm Kobi. And with him, I did the first few vintages here at Blauklippen. We did a lot of changes, we planted new vineyards, we went for high density, which means we doubled up the plants um, per hectare compared to a traditional way of, um, of farming in South Africa. We changed irrigation and, and, and. So it was a different approach, mm -hmm. 
and um, we got some beautiful wines out of that. And yeah, at the same time, I mean, Blauklippen stands for Sinfandel. I learned a cultivar to love that I first maybe rather, I must say, had a bit of a distance to because it is a very challenging cultivar as yeah. such uh, to farm with. But um, I'm very happy today that I had the chance to learn actually um, this cultivar to know and today to love. Um, I mean, in my little world, I call it the diva. And you know, a diva, you have this love-hate relationship yeah. with. And this is, this is exactly what I went through in emotions with Sinfandel. And today, sometimes, the diva is still coming back and give me some moments. And you also distill that, or, I mean, the, the brand... Well, then comes the distilling, of course. No, but I mean, that the, the, the grappa, you make a grappa from that? We're making a grappa from the, yeah. from the Sinfandel. And um, what happened there is just... Um, Sinfandel is such, when you ripen the grape... Yeah. It is a very thin-skinned berry. Okay. So as soon as there is some sun penetration, you get a raisin characteristic. And um, so you press out your wine as such, but you still have a slight juiciness in the, in the skins, in the husk. And um, there's so much flavor still in it that mm. we decided actually to take this skins straight from the press to the distillery and distill then actually the cropper, which is today Blauklippen Sinfandel Cropper mm -hmm. Reserve. Okay, beautiful bottle. It looks deceivingly like a bottle of very expensive brandy. And uh, I've seen in the trade that it ends up in the brandy or in the pot still brandy category rather than anywhere else. Well, it's, I think from that side, it's interesting that you say that because um, I describe it very often uh, between um, a cropper and a cognac. Mm. I would not go towards brandy because for me brandy is a little bit more heavier as such okay. in his structure. But um, cognac has a little bit more elegance, a little bit more finesse. Mm. And um, I think what we got what we got right with the distilling process and the approach we took from the maturation in wood was that we said we don't want to have the more bitey alcohol characteristic that a cropper brings mm. along. Uh, where a lot of people immediately get get reminded on Mampur. Yeah. Um, so you have more elegance, you have more finesse, more yeah. fruitiness in that. But at the same time, have a style of a brown spirit. And with that, have actually all the nutty flavors, have the smoky flavors in it. And But that all very nearly wine-based, grape-based, so very elegant, uh, polished, not too heavy yeah. in, in the expression and okay. that is actually what the cropper is all about so yeah. yes I, I, you're right the packaging is the one yeah. beautiful thing but i think if you have it in the glass it holds it's what it promises okay. and actually in my in my opinion actually succeeds what it promises in packaging okay we'll we'll try and get some more into the trade that people can look out for it Well, I hope so, yeah. and I think um, if we see it here on our on our tasting on our tasting uh, floor here at, at uh, Blauklippen, where people can come and taste actually mm. all our products, um, people coming back to it because due to the elegance, mm. because due to this unexpected, um, wonderful layers of fruit and 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 polished flavors, it's it's not really anymore that you have a high alcohol drink it's about actually that you have an enjoyment mm. in a glass um, 
in front of you. Okay. And, and the family that owns this, it's also a German family? The Germany that uh, it's a German family that owns it uh, since 2000. Okay. And, um, and, yeah. they, and they were also involved in Palana. Exactly. Um, on, the, on the waterfront. It's actually, in a way, uh, you could say actually a beer, a beer family. Oh, is it a beer family? Um, they yeah. own actually the Paulana brand and Hakapshow. Oh, okay. Yes, and a few other ones. Uh, okay. So they have, yeah, definitely a good relationship to. And was to was the brewery still open when you started the one on the waterfront? Yes, actually, it was still open. Um, it was for me actually a sad eye to see yes. it closing Would down. Would be beautiful. You could have moved it, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it it in one way yes. Uh, it it even has been at the point a little discussion about that one. However, um, to bring a wine estate and a brewery together may work but it's not a given yeah. and um, I would love to see Paulana back in South yeah. Africa please definitely, definitely because it's a beautiful beer yeah yeah okay and and then you also launched a few other brands uh, the Potso brandies or was it were those around before you well the brandy has been in the barrel when I arrived here yeah. um, and to be honest to you it was not my first my first uh, priority to yeah. look at it so the brandy had time to mature nicely in the barrels and we launched then a five-year-old brandy as a first label which is not anymore continued in the meanwhile and after that we went for the eight and the ten-year-old mm. uh, which are both established on the market now um, specifically the ten-year-old gets an, um, really a great following mm. and I think it's a fantastic product uh, value for money um, it's a top-class brandy which is still I would say very attractive price at this moment in time. Mm. And that, uh, and then the accident happened. You mentioned something about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, the the before and after, oh, yeah? is, which is an aperitif. Um, it's the most beautiful accident, the most beautiful oops we ever had in the cellar. And um, there, the story is um, that my previous winemaker assistant myself on a Friday went in the cellar to taste wines. And um, on a Friday you don't spit, so oh. <laughs> we had a few wines to taste, and we had a good, a good mood going along. And he served me our Red Sinfandel Noble Late Harvest from the barrel um, into my tasting glass, and ugh, we tasted it. We talked about actually when we want to bottle it and everything. But as I say, we have been in a good mood, and there was a lot of other talk around that as well. And we went on to taste actually the eight-year-old brandy to, uh, to decide which barrel or cask we're taking next up for bottling. And um, he served me by accident the brandy in a high strength, in the barrel strength, which is by around about 65-67 volume yeah. percent, on top of a little bit of leftover of the Red Noble Late Harvest Sinfandel. Now this, oops! Um, in the class gave both of us a beautiful smile in the face because we both liked a lot what we had in the class <laughs> but we could not really remember anymore what happened though uh, okay. and um, two weeks later I phoned him and said listen that thing is not going out of my mind so let's get all ingredients together and let's play around with yeah. it and that's how we started at the end of the day the before and after and today um, the brandy and the before and after or a bottle of crupper and the before and after go always together because very classical you have the gentleman walking into the tasting 
and he tastes some of the brandy or the crapper and he says, oh, wonderful product. And then it comes always, you know, this type of. And she stands there and looks at him and says, well, you spend now a bit of money, so what do I spend for, you know? And so he normally gets his brandy or cropper and she gets a bottle of before and after and both are happy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, what is that? Uh, it's an aperitif? How many? Well, it's an aperitif. So from the alcohol side, you only have 16 volume ah. percent alcohol. Okay. So it's actually lower than a port because yeah. today's ports are by 17, 17 yeah. and a half, 18. Um, but it's the fresher fruit. Okay. As it comes from the noble late harvest, you have this concentrated bit of jaminess in it, but a lot of berry fruit, and you have a lot of spice with it. Um, and then just this little bit of brandy that is in it lifts all of these flavors beautifully. But it's not alcoholic, it's more actually sweet okay. um, on the palate. And yeah, it's, it's a beautiful aperitif. But it's also beautiful decorative, so after the meal, um, to sit down or in an old classical way this afternoon, little sip of a port can be easily replaced with a before and after. Okay. And for South African terms, the nice part is actually you can keep it in the fridge and bring it out slightly chilled, which of course refreshes a little yeah. bit as you enjoy it. So it made his way actually in a lot of households in the meanwhile, um, where people have a very unique drink in the house because this product as such I have not found anywhere in the world so far so it's it's very unique in its in its kind yeah. and it's in a beautiful bottle so it's a, it makes a beautiful gift uh. and it makes again a beautiful gift yeah. absolutely yeah and then you started uh, a distillery and uh, on the estate we started um, a distillery, um, which is... Or was the distillery here? I mean, the, the brandy tradition and everything, was it on the... No, actually not. Um, the brandy the brandy was a product from Blauklippen and mm. is still a product from Blauklippen. Um, this very much belongs to the winery and mm. to, the, to, the, to the brand of, of Blauklippen. Um, and there are two old pot stills actually standing in the in the cellar for that, yeah. where the where the where the brandies have been distilled. Um, but what happened is actually that uh, quite a few years back, I had a gentleman from Switzerland, and um, he, well, Swiss people are known for for one thing uh, next to cheese, and that is money. Yeah. <laughs> and he he did very successful for his for himself, and um, he started to enjoy um, good wine, good cigars, and he came to South Africa to learn a little bit more about winemaking. And he asked me if I uh, if I would have space for him to be part of a vintage in the cellar, and that's how we started to talk to each other and learn more from each other and with him together I met actually then a gentleman which is um, uh, quite a well-known master distiller in Germany and we three sat together and said well it would be quite nice to, to start a little distillery um, that is more focused on crapper, that mm. is more focused on fruit spirits um, or eau de vies. Which is a, a big which thing is, in the in the Black Forest. Which is a very big thing in the Black Forest because it's a very elegant and, and mm. light style style of of alcohol, 
And um, so we started a company called Gentleman Spirits in 2012. And uh, yeah, we plotted along. We did some Williams, which is a very classical German pear snaps, mm. which is made from the Bon Crescent pear. And I mm -hmm. mean, the fruit grows beautifully here in the mm. Cape. So we're getting the fruit here, um, crushing on site, fermenting the, the fruit to pulp, and then distill out of this beautiful pulp um, the flavor and the alcohol uh, for, for fantastic pear snaps. And um, yeah, we did we did crappas and we went on the market um, under Gentleman Spirits label first. Mm. But we had to realize that the South African market is limited when it comes to crappa as well mm. as to fruit spirits. Um, there is a bit of, of interest of good distills, but yeah, as I say, um, if you are not grown into it or if you have not proper introduced mm. to it, it is rather um, a challenge. And well, we had a bit of restructuring. The company went through also um, of learning by doing, and we we came out as the Swiss partner and myself. We took over all the all the shares and developed in 2015 the brand Triple Three. Now, for a few of the listeners, maybe Triple Three will now immediately say, "Wait, isn't that this chin?" Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely, and. The brand Triple Three was developed first and most of all for the chins um, that we know today. And it has been in 2015 and Triple Three came actually in because the distillery is at Blauklippen. Mm. However, it is not Blauklippen Distillery. Mm. But Blauklippen turned in 2015 333 years. So you stole the so name. So <laughs> we kept the link to yeah. it without actually talking about Blauklippen yeah. or talking in a way about the, the beautiful history Blauklippen has. Mm. We're saying on the label that we are distilling at Blauklippen, mm. um, but that's the link that, okay. we, that we created with it. And... Yeah, this journey with the chin the last two years was just absolutely amazing. Um, we first started... It's really nice to, to be part of such an explosion, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, we didn't know really <laughs> what will happen to us, to be honest yeah. to you. Um, because it was rather really seen as a yeah, hobby, yeah. to start as a hobby. However, it's in the meanwhile a, a, beautiful, a beautiful structured... Uh, mm. hobby that that demands that demands um, a bit more personnel and mm. um, a few more distilleries yeah but um, we started at the time with um, just distilling juniper as such um, for the idea of understanding what flavors we can unlock and for understanding of what style we want to go with the chin. And where did you get the distillery? Was it the old gentleman's distillery? That was um, a distillery that we imported at the end of a day from Germany mm. under the gentleman's spirits okay. time and um, in the meanwhile we imported two more. Mm. So it is this equipment which we know from the Black Forest times, mm. it's equipment that, that we trust and um, it's equipment that we can use for all specialities that we okay. distill. So it is a, it's also a good product uh, or a good, a good distillery to use for cropper or for pear snaps. So we yeah. still actually distill everything 
on the on the imported machines that we have here. Yeah, and you said, I mean, the the, the equipment comes from you bought it off your brother-in-law and your uncle or what? Yeah, the first one came in actually as a as an investment with a with the partnerships that we had at the time. So that was a new one. Or? That was a fairly new equipment, oh, okay. and uh, it's still our what can I say our flagship distillery. Yeah. However, then um, I visited my family in Germany, and um, they had, yeah, in the yard, uh, old distillery standing, beautiful copper pot still. And I said, "What are you doing with this distill?" Well, they just got it out of an old farm farmhouse that was uh, broken down, and they're not really sure of what they want to do with it. And I said, "Well, I maybe uh, have the solution for you. <laughs> I would like to have this distillery in South Africa." So. I bought it from them and the equipment is or the, the distillery is somewhere built beginning of the 70s so it has a few months a few months or moons uh, of age made some nice Kirschwasser or Williams isn't it there was a little bit of Kirschwasser and Williams going through <laughs> to this machine I'm pretty sure but look it's the, the, the principle of a distillery first and most of all stays the same and It is what you do with the technology and how you treat the technology yeah. to get the best out of. And that's why I was very keen to go that route and get this type of uh, older machine in. And now, just uh, um, a few months back, again at a visit in Germany, my wife's uncle uh, um, approached us because he also had a few distilleries um, in the family cooking. And he wanted to scale down. I mean, he turned 75, so he said, okay, I have done my part. Mm. So we decided to buy from him another one, uh, which is Vintage 77, just a little bit younger, mm -hmm. um, as the previous one I spoke about. And yeah, so this equipment now is on site. The one is active, the older one is active for quite a while. And I hope in the next two to three weeks to start actually the third pot. And um, it's super exciting, of course. It's nearly like a family business yeah. going on just on another side. On another continent. On another continent, on the most beautiful end of the world. Yeah. But yeah, that's how it sometimes comes together. Yeah. <clears throat> And so the brands or the, or the gins that you make, you said something about juniper? Yeah, coming back to the chins, well, we started with a juniper to distill at the time. And it was really at the beginning to say, how much flavor is not juniper as yeah. such? And, um, well, the easiest way to describe it, we decided to have actually 100% or just juniper uh, chin on the market because we believe really the flavor profile alone of that product is absolutely mm. amazing. And um, it has proven up to today that um, it is absolutely accepted and a lot of people love it for the simplicity of just having the juniper flavors mm. um, in this chin. Um, a lot of barmans like it because um, the mixologists of today, they want to have actually then their own creation on top. So they don't like too much this overloaded chins, which are so opulent that they hardly can do anything mm. on the flavor side or on the flavor profile. And that is where the 100% chin actually plays a huge role um, out there in the, in the market and on the trade and in the bars. And so yeah we had this 100% uh, um, juniper as a first idea and um, the first distilling I put actually in 2014 Christmas 
I put it into the shelf in a very simple way. It was a Bordeaux bottle, a flint Bordeaux bottle where you normally see a Riesling or white wine bottled in. Um, I put a wine cork halfway into the bottle and we made a very simple label and called that thing Rolf's Chin. My daughter was still numbering the labels, one, two, three, <laughs> four, five. And um, we put it in for a price at the time, I'm not sure anymore, it was something like 200, 210 rand. Did no marketing at all, no advertisement. We just put it actually at the tasting room onto the shelf. And that thing flew from the shelf. And that was actually somewhere for us a great... Um, what can I call it? it? It gave us actually a very positive uh, uh, message that mm. we did something right, that the people liked the elegance of the chip, that the people like at the end of the day the spice of the pure juniper. So that gave us the strong belief we have something that we can develop further. And with the development then of Triple Three um, as a brand, we said, okay, are we going in other directions? than purely having this juniper chin. And we did quite a lot of tastings with different recipes. And out of that came that there is either a tendency to fruity chin or that there is something more on the herbal side. And that is exactly what we then also slowly but surely developed further. So we have the citrus chin, which is based uh, still on a beautiful juniper base, mm. but then have some lemon and some orange with it just to freshen it up. I call it always the convenient gin because all what you need is actually some ice and a good tonic and you are you done. You don't need to add lemons. You don't need to, <laughs> you, need, you need not to cut a lemon or orange or anything. Okay. You Camping have actually <laughs> this beautiful, this beautiful um, fresh citrus flavor um, in, the, in the gin as such. And then the uh, African botanical gin, the idea was really there to say the, the, the whole growth that we have here with Thainbos is so amazing. So how can you capture a little bit of the Cape Thainbos uh, history in the bottle? And I mean, nothing is closer than to look at the end of the day at Buhu and mm -hmm. Roibos. And these are the two main ingredients at the end of the day that we have then in the African Botanical. And you first have the Buhu, this beautiful herbaceous type of and spicy type of uh, um, entrance on the nose and then comes actually this quite sweet filling type of rooibos with it. But um, all three chins are unsweetened, mm -hmm. um, beautiful, elegant. You don't have really the alcoholic taste because there's so much complexity from the flavors that you actually can drink them neat. If you want to, you don't need at the end of the day to go with a tonic or anything else. It's beautiful just to serve them on the rocks and nibble along. Yeah, and that's, I think the new trend is going towards sipping gins. Well, I think it, it will, at the end of the day, somewhere also show where the quality yeah. is in chin. And um, I mean, for, for consumer today, there is a huge market out there in respect and offers out there in respect to chin products. However, I think it gets then interesting when you start to consume and, and drink uh, a chin, um, which flavors are elegant and are refreshing, but not bothering you from the taste buds or mm. from the health. And um, that are the ones that you will go back to. Mm. It's the elegance, it's the finesse, it's the 
retrinkability at the end of a day mm. um, that makes I think um, the products talking for themselves and there is no other way than to taste it neat first and when we're going to shows more and more people come actually and ask first if they can taste neat and then decide which cocktail they're going mm. for which I think is absolutely fantastic and I can only stimulate and motivate and say please come and ask for it because that is what we share definitely mm. uh, as a first prize from our side as well because we think um, we put so much effort into the product if we then actually have the connoisseur that in that way nearly shows the respect to it and yeah. gives us this award back or reward back and tastes it neat and gives us his feedback that's the most beautiful thing yeah. the distiller can get maybe help me a little bit I remember growing up that there was a, a product from Germany in a, in a brown earthen bottle, um, what was it, Schinkenheger, is that, is that a gin? What is Schinkenheger? Ooh, I'm not 100% sure now, was it a corn or was it, I think it was a corn, wasn't that the clay bottle that you were referring to? Yeah, like a to? clay bottle. I think it was a corn, and it's, if it, I'm correct. <coughs> it's a corn, but not, so it's got, it's got no relation to gin. I, I don't think in that case that it was actually, no, I don't think it would have been a chin. Chin was very long somewhere, what, under the radar. Yeah. Um, and I think the German tradition was more on the south, on the fruit, yeah. on the fruit spirit or fruit snap side. And in the north, and the in the north it was the corn. Mm. So um, I must admit, I would not know now mm. if there was a chin floating around but please I'm mm. I'm long gone from yeah. Germany <laughs> and I was maybe too young at the time to really yeah. to, to look after gin I was more on wine when yeah. I was in Germany yeah, active. yeah. yeah. okay and uh, and are you can you I mean are, are there more developments that you've got on, on on the in the distillery you said something about your your peers yeah we um, we're doing quite a bit of pairs because the fruit... Is that, that mainly for export? I, I that is more for export because, um, again, um, the Boncrescent pear in South Africa uh, would be like a shooter. Yeah. Um, I think the South Africans would drink it like a shooter. Um, however, I think if somebody started to enjoy it and, and, and tasted it the first time, he will change the glass and he will go actually to a cognac glass mm. um, because with the fruit and, and the expression that this elegant fruit schnapps brings along um, you you want to drink it also nip it along mm. like you would nip on a whiskey something like that so, um, and that's the Williams and that's the Williams because I think our relationship with Williams is probably on some ski slope in in, in Austria or where, where they do a lot of Williams Absolutely, there you drink it as a shooter, yeah. but um, I think um, going into restaurants, going into also that people drink more and more focused yeah. spirit for the enjoyment. Um, spirit is not only anymore, let's say, a quick shooter mm. for, for the first round and the second and the third round. That will be more on the skiing slope. Yeah because you want to go back to skiing again, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think here in South Africa, it's it's more in the restaurants, it's more actually, maybe even enjoying it with a cigar or something like yeah. that, sitting a little bit longer, you so know. So it's, it's like a sipping brandy nearly. It's nearly it's like a, a brandy, sipping, isn't it? It's, it's a fruit brandy, yeah. yeah, you could categorize it like that, yeah. correctly. It's similar to the Schladerer brand, which I think is also from the Black Forest, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Philip Schladerer actually, uh, quite nice friend of mine 
um, with his Kirschwasser, which they are very well known for, yeah. but they also do a pear snaps and a few other things. And you see them from right. time to time, actually, you see them from time to time on the, on the shelf here in South yeah. Africa. Rather expensive, but they're here. Absolutely. Um, and, and from time to time, you still see a gap there. So people maybe still make yeah. it like forest tart yeah. um, and buying a proper Kirschwasser uh, for it. <laughs> that could be. Um, but yeah, I think we, we have in the meanwhile also with, um, with the Triple Three Williams um, the opportunity to bring a local fruit snaps okay. on the market. And we, we bottled it actually. It purely just needs to go out now. Um, to showcase what is what is possible here in South Africa in yeah. distilling. We'll take a photo of the bottle. I think it looks beautiful, and then we can post it on. And uh, as soon as it's ready, we can. <laughs> Absolutely, and with that, you spoke about a liqueur as mm. well earlier. We're doing also pear liqueur. That is now the next big step coming up, because um, it lends to itself that you actually do a fruit extract. In other words, it's not just a classical sweetened spirit mm. um, what we did is actually we took a distilled spirit on the full ripe pear and extracted the sweetness and more flavor from this pear to make a liqueur okay. and um, I think that is fair will be fairly unique for South Africa and uh, I'm looking forward to also release that yeah. um, I'm not sure when when we get it done. We have a lot on our on our lap at the moment, but yeah. I hope to do it latest in the new year, and then actually come up next to a classical try Williams Christ Snaps um, or brandy as you called it. Then also to have a Williams Christ liqueur, yeah. um, based really on the fruit extracted sweetness and not on added sweetness. Yeah, I can already see the German restaurants ordering this as a, as a shooter? Well, I think there is a, is a great potential for it. Um, even what, what, we, what we actually spoke about with the one or the other restaurant, you know, classical in, in the Europe terms, when I grew up there, uh, when, to, when you went to a Greek or when you went to a Yugoslavian um, restaurant, you got uh, Uso or Slibovitz or something like yeah. that before the meal. It was the welcome oh, shooter. Oh, really? So before you got anything served, there was a shooter glass on the table. Yeah. And we thought it's a great culture, actually, yeah. to, to have that. You're right. I've got a friend who's married to a Hungarian. And when I walk into the door, there's a schnapps in my hand. That's exactly the yeah. point. And, yeah. and why not having something like that, actually, when you arrive in a restaurant in South Africa? Yeah. Um, and it mustn't be a schnapps worth 43, yeah. but it can be maybe a liqueur. Well, in the case of the Hungarian 40%. friend, it's, it doesn't matter if it's 43. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I see that as a little bit nearly as an appetizer, yeah. you know, as an aperitif. Mm. And it could, it, could, it could become easily actually a restaurant culture in mm. that way to say, you know what, we're going there and there's a little surprise when you walk mm. in. Mm. So... We will see. Yeah, and that's what I love about these cultures that are, are starting to come out, you know. Um, yeah, interesting traditions and, and stuff from all over the world, I think, that we can learn so much about. Well, if you take, if you take the Cape, I mean, one thing that fascinated me always, living here now um, 15 years, nearly 16 years, um, the cultures melted in a way together. Mm. I mean, unfortunately, there's also a lot of negative talk about cultures, but in principle, if you, if you come from Europe 
and you observe it now in South Africa, there's actually a lot of things functioning here that mm. they still struggle with in other parts of mm. the world. Um, however, it's it's the same time also then the influence that comes by food, that comes by 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 drinks, that comes by lifestyle along and that makes it actually so beautiful. I mean, um, if you go to Cape Town or if you go to Jamestown, uh, Jamestown, sorry, uh, Johannesburg, Durban, um, wherever you go, I mean, if you think about the offers that you have in food, in mm. restaurants that are there, um, the bar themes, what you get in the meanwhile, just chin revolution over the last two years where, where a lot of bars actually now focused on and, and found from around the world products. I mean, mm. we started the interview with Monkey Chin from the Black mm. Forest. You find it in certain bars here yeah. as well. I think it's beautiful actually to get this cosmopolitan international vibe and yeah. um, there is a lot still that can be done. I yeah. mean, um, it's, it's sexy to come to South Africa. It's sexy to travel South Africa. And under that circumstances, I think if we can keep this very multicultural type of offers in, in enjoyment going, um, it can bring us very far. Yeah. And you showed me the, your new little bit of a rebranding on the bottle, which is, I, I guess, you aiming at export? Not or only, but also... Yeah. Um, Are you already exporting the bottles? We already yeah. started actually to sell the bottles in Europe. And uh, what happened is actually, if you go to classical countries like Germany or Switzerland, um, due to the law, you're only allowed to pay, uh, to sell liquors or spirits in 700 mil bottles. Mm. So we struck, we struggled with our 750 mil packaging to enter there the market, and we felt strong enough with the research we did and with the partners we have overseas to go and um, get our own bottle made, which is a 500 mil bottle. Now the 500 mil bottle in the base shape is still very much lent onto the classical packaging that people know from triple three. Mm. However, we included now the three in the glass as such, as well as actually we stay clearly a state bottled in South Africa to be proudly South mm. African. And what we also then tended to say is the first packaging we chose, it's a beautiful packaging, um, but it's very much cosmopolitan, so you could produce that anywhere in the world yeah. and it would fit. Um, but we are South Africa, we have an African tradition here and um, I think we should be proud of that. So we allowed ourselves to look um, at the symbols of the Ndebele um, tradition um, and we integrated that into the label. Um, each of the three flavors has its own theme and we also got the paper a little bit ha uh, more structured okay. which uh, makes us very proud because it's the first time that this type of paper ever was used on a, on a distilled product globally seen and um, that gives the bottle a very much very unique look and feel but it definitely, I think, in a very elegant and smart way, reflects also the African tradition that we have here, mm. which I think we all are proud of. Without putting a, like you said... Without putting an elephant or giraffe or crocodile <laughs> on the label. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that that alone would reflect yeah. actually South Africa. Yeah. And in terms of, have you got access to the, the travel market or is it, is it hard to get into? 
the airports, the duty frees and no, actually, I must say we we had, of course, traditional from Blauklippen side a good link with um, the duty free, okay. and from that side, uh, Chin also made his way into it. Um, so yes, we have the support there, and we are an ongoing exchange there with with. Um, the relevant uh, um, decision makers to see where what other distilled products uh, um, are worthwhile to go um, onto the duty-free shelves. Yeah. Um, one of our product pro projects that we're also running at the moment is a 50 ml bottle. So let's call it a mini bar size. Yeah. And um, we should be able also still late this year to get actually um, that packaging on the market, which will be um, flavor sorted, so it will be either mm. the juniper or the citrus or the African botanical in the box, 12 bottles um, each, and it's a nice counter tool, mm. or of course, um, if somebody wants to go for the mini bars um, to use it, or as gifts mm. to use it. So there's the next step coming, and that could be definitely also something as a little uh, takeaway again in the travel mm. um, because a lot of people are still scared to have of course a bottle on the on the plane mm. or to travel with a bottle of glass um, that it could break so i think the the minis will also have a nice impact on our future yeah i think i think the minis are exciting especially as a gift and as sampling because to, to buy a whole bottle of craft gin as we call it is is quite a big investment um, and to start off with, with a few of the minis or even to use them in the trade as, as giveaways or as, as promotions is, is quite a good idea. Yeah, we spoke here also actually to a few hotels, more on the upmarket side. Okay. And they look at uh, room drops. Yeah. Very classical, actually have the three flavors there. And it's a nice portion. I mean, it's, it's either a double, yeah. a, a nice double chin or, or double tot chin or um, you can actually yeah. share the bottle if you want to. And it's a nice refresher if you arrive in the room and you sit for a while on the balcony before you go out again, you know. So yeah. it's, it's a nice welcome. I think it could work very well. And um, also for, for boutique hotels, they see it as an opportunity to go again and say, we give it as a gift to, yeah. the, to the business people that come here. Don't have the time really to explore the leisure side, but at least they take something mm. with that later on, wherever they live in the world, takes them back to, to the time they enjoyed it yeah. in, in, in South Africa. Yeah. Thank you, Rolf. Um, where, what's the best way to taste this? Obviously, Blauklippen is open. There's a tasting room. Blauklippen has a tasting room. We are seven days a to week open. beautiful tasting room. Seven um, days a week, okay. Seven days a week open. So from that side, whenever you're in the Cape, make a turn, come to Blauklippen. And we're taste. about five kilometers from Stellenbosch, or is it yeah, less? No, not even. I mean, um, we In are the first wine farm, actually, okay. um, when you drive to the south from Stellenbosch towards Somerset West. So very easy to find on the R44. And, um, yeah, the easiest is actually to come there. You can taste the wines, you can taste the spirits. Everything is there for tasting. We have a brandy hub. You've um, got a few other brandies on the which, which, which is like. the only one in South Africa, so you can actually taste even um, some other craft brandies yeah. that are produced. From in as far as I saw Gruntheim, they're, they're quite far away. Yeah, there are quite a few actually where you normally don't want to drive anymore when yeah. you tasted it afterwards. <laughs> 
But um, that was exactly the idea because there is not such a hub in mm. South Africa. Um, I see it still as a bit of a critical point because we have a lot of beautiful brandies made yeah. in South Africa, but there's nowhere place where you can really taste them. So um, in Bordeaux, they have this Maison de Verre where you go actually and taste the regional wines. And um, I stimulated a few times the thought to say, why are we not doing something in Cape Town? Um, where there would be like at the waterfront or so a beautiful place to do something for wine to do mm. something for the spirits as well and say come and indulge in what this region is doing um, mm. I think there's a lot of potential because if you want to taste today a bigger part of what gets produced in South Africa you have to at the end of the day most of the time pay in the hotel sit there at the bar and then mm. you always have to drink the full shot at least mm. um, and yeah it's maybe still a gap in the marketing mm. that can be used as a system or as a, as a, as a offer let's say it like that um, at certain selected places but I think it's also something that we can still carry into the trade as mm. an idea I mean the, the obviously the gin bars are popping up all around the Cape especially um, is there a place where you can taste all these gin, all these brandies in a, in a restaurant or in a hotel? Well, there are a few places that have big collections yeah. of um, gins or brandies. However, it's, it's still, I mean, you, you buy at the end of the day yeah. a shot or a tot. And, and you think about somebody. it, yeah. if you want to taste five or six, I mean, um, you, you need to stand strong on that one. <laughs> uh, it's possible, yeah. uh, of course, but um, I think to just have a sip, you know, to taste would be beautiful. Mm. Now, I know that certain places allow actually their bar their barkeeper um, to offer this this sit Tasting. first okay. which is great but um, I don't think that the barkeeper will give you five sips mm. um, he will start to charge one day mm. and there is exactly the difference and come on at the end of the day our decision is made with a palate and what mm. we enjoy and what we feel happy with it's beautiful then to take along because you are convinced about it you tasted yeah. it you like it so you will gladly open it up and celebrate with it again yeah okay and we so let's just finish that uh, you said you open here at the, at the you also have a farmers market on the on the estate we have a beautiful market every Sunday, which so is that Sundays, okay. every Sunday, okay. summer as winter, it's six years old by now. Um, the bigger tracks, I believe, I've never been. It's beautiful um, and it's, yeah, and it's, it's, a very, it's a very big attraction, it's a landmark. Um, we call it the Blauklippen Family Market. Um, there is actually a Facebook site where people can follow. We have um, Changing Musician every week is another one here. Um, we have around about 80, 90 stores on average uh, between craft and uh, food and of course wine and yeah. spirits and beer. There is also a guy that is making beautiful chin cocktails. Um, so it is a market where you go with a family. There's a lot to play for the kids, um, a lot of attractions, inclusive po pony rides for the little ones. And on the other side, it's what we what we spoke earlier about this culture of all kinds of food um, yeah. from the German bratwurst via um, the samosas via Mexican food um, to a classical burger. You find it everything. Um, so it is really in that way um, an attraction and a beautiful and a beautiful place to be to hang out on a Sunday and to taste 
and to taste <laughs> exactly yeah and uh, yeah so i think it's a beautiful place i'm i mean i'm overwhelmed by obviously the 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 old farm and the old estate and everything and it just brings out the 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 real craftiness or the the handwork or the artisanal um side of the gin and the and the distillery so that it's not not just a brand like it's a, it's a real you know it's got heritage and it's made on an estate yeah <coughs> i think this is this is us mm. um what you see is what you get mm. and um even while we maybe have not everything at the moment on offer to be mm. public um because you're working in the distillery because we're working in the distillery and yeah. it's it's an ongoing <laughs> working there um if somebody is interested we of course taking the person actually yeah. up and showing that it's not that we hide it but it's also that we really uh, um have a have a working distillery yeah. and not a show distillery yeah. um however i think blauklippen as such i mean with a history of more than 335 years in the meanwhile um brings it along it is a place which always has been rooted where all the people that had a management position or decision making position have been very closed to the place um the history of the of the farm workers that have have been staying here for generations um this is just yeah also down to earth and and rooted that it's beautiful actually to to keep something like that and maintain something like that um the farmhouse the yonkershaus the cellar buildings it's all like a crown structure it's not one of this new mm. out of the what architecture bureau styled um winery um it is about the simplicity of wine making mm. and going back to the roots and what yeah I repeat myself what you see is what you get yeah. this is what we are but um what we taking care of is the vineyards the terroir yeah. you see it when you come in um what we taking care of is where we take our fruit from to distill um the process we taking care of the maintenance of maturation um in other words when you ripen a wine in the barrel or if you ripen a crapper in the barrel you make sure that everything is as good as possible taken care of and then it's easy at the end of a day to later on just finalize a product and bring it onto the market and taste it with people um mm. then it's the product itself that convinces the story just actually explains what we have done and if you come here and you heard the story before it will make click for you easily mm. because you will see exactly that what we told you before what we doing and what we are yeah so yeah i think it's a big invitation to come and experience the brand and the the wines and the spirits here on the, on the estate thanks for your time rolf and i certainly look forward to bringing my family here and showing this wonderful place to them well i'm looking forward to have you soon back <laughs> yeah it was great to having you on site and yeah to all the listeners out there please come and enjoy blauklippen at mm. his best and yeah we are here for work and our work is to make you a platform for celebration mm. lovely thanks rolf thank you